I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries. We are, I'm trying to teach you about something I don't hardly, any preachers I don't ever hear I'm talking about. And that is the inner man, the inner man, and the outer man. The inner man is the one that's born in you by God. That's the new birth, the new birth. And the outer man is the flesh, the fleshly man. Anytime the Bible speaks of, when the Bible talks about that which is born of the flesh is flesh in John the third chapter, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. It means the spiritual man is never the fleshly man. The fleshly man is never the, is never the inner man. I'm, I've been threatening to go through the inner and the outer man. I've preached at it. I've got a book here and I've had it in my library for years and I, I just hadn't looked at it. And it's by E.W. Bullinger. It's called The Two Natures in the Child of God. There's two natures in us. There's one that wants to sin and one that doesn't want to sin or can't sin. The Bible says that in First John 1 and 8. 1 8. And he says the exact opposite in First John. It looks like the opposite. John 3 and 9. They look like they're in opposition to each other, but they're not. First John 1 and 8 it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then First John 3 and 9 says, Whosoever is born of God, born of God, doth not commit sin. Well, there has to be two men in us, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. So there's a part of us that sins, and there's a part of us that can't sin. I'm going to go back today and try to... I don't know if I can finish it. I'll try and do the best I can. But I want us to go back to Romans 7. This is a this is a a chapter that confuses people more than any chapter in the Bible, other than getting into Revelation, and that's not as confusing as this is to people. I have people call me and write to me and say, "What is this talking about?" We'll go to Romans seven, Romans seven, and we're going to start reading here in verse. 14, Romans 7. I'm going to go through this because I haven't really completely exhausted it. Romans 7, verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual. I am carnal. Now that word carnal is the word sarkikos, S-A-R-K-I-K-O-S. It comes from the word S-A-R-X. Sarks means is the word flesh. 
nothing wrong with the word flesh. Even Paul said, he said, we've ministered unto you, talking to Corinth, we've ministered unto you spiritual things. Is it is it wrong for you to minister to us carnal things? Are you supposed to give us enough money to live on? That's what he's saying. He calls money carnal. Nothing wrong with that uh, other than when you have a love of money. The Bible says the love of money or the love of the flesh. Love of money is the root of all evil. Love of money is the word philogria, P-H-I-L-A-R-G-U-R-I-A. That's the word love of money. It's one word in the Greek. Love money. It is a construction of philos. You recognize that. That's a real common word. It's related to the word phileo, P-H-I-L-E-O. It's a part of the morphemes of phileo, morpheme. Morphemes are word shapes. Morphe means to shape. Morphe. Well, philos, this word love of money comes from philos, and A-R-G-U-R-Y. Philos means an affection for, just like phileo or philia. Philia or philos meaning friend. Philos is the common word friend. Jesus said, you are my friends if, if you do what I say. I say. If you do, you can actually substitute a word for a phrase. There's a word that can mean what I say. And what would that be? Second John 6, this is agape. This is love. This is agape. That's the word. That we walk after his commandments. That agape was a relationship that kings had for their subjects, fathers had for their families. They gave them laws and they willingly walked in them. So when he says, you'll be my friend if you, you can substitute agape or walking in the commandments. Do what I say is equal to agape, isn't it? Wouldn't it be? Do what I say is walking in the commandments of God, isn't it? That's the same thing. So, you're my friends. You'll find that in John, the 15th chapter. You're my friends if you walk after my commandments, if you agape me. So when people say God's love is unconditional, that's not true. His phileo is a is a conditional only if you're obedient to God. Wouldn't that go along with obedience? It'd go along with that, wouldn't it? So what do what I say is equal to walk after my commandments. So so the love of money is the root of all evil. All evil comes from the love, the affection for augury, whatever that is. We get our word argue from that A R G U E. You're arguing with God when you don't want to do what he says. 
And that word augury means silver or shining. The only reason people want a lot of money is to shine above others. That's what they want it for. I wanted to shine when I was young. I want everybody listening to me sing these big high notes I used to be able to sing I can't do now. So it means a love of silver. The reason you want a lot of silver, which was the currency rate back in the first century, is you want to shine. Say, see all my car, look what I've got. i got a beautiful chariot, don't I? And look at my horses, look at my diamonds, look at my pearls, look at my purple. It was against the law to wear purple if you were poor in the first century. Purple, everything has a meaning. Purple, when you it's listed in the good things of the riches of the world in the 18th chapter of Revelation. That, in fact, Lydia, when Paul met Lydia, she was a seller of purple. You had to be going around to rich kings and rich people to sell purple garments. If you were a common working fisherman and you got caught with a purple garment, you went to jail immediately in the first century. Why? Because purple, right off the coast of what we call Lebanon, right above Israel, Lebanon, right off the coast, that was called Tyre and Sidon. They had to go off the coast, and this is the only place they could get these mollusks, M-O-L-L-U-S-K-S, mollusks. That's a shellfish. These mollusks had a little bitty drop of purple dye, and it might take thousands of these little mollusks to take this purple dye out and make one purple garment, maybe 20,000 mollusks or 30,000. And only the rich could afford that. So you get caught with purple. That's why when Lydia, when Paul met Lydia on a creek bank, in Acts the 16th chapter and God caused her to believe she gave up a tremendous career if you don't know that about purple you don't understand that now now where was I we're going to read this and I'm going to try to explain this to you in detail then he says we know that the law is spiritual but I am am is a being verb Am. It's a being verb. Let me put the being verbs on the board for you again. It's a form of the verb be, to be, to be. Here's the being verbs. I learned these about the sixth grade back in about 1950, I think, somewhere around there. Be is, be is, am, are, was, were were being been being been have has had have has had all these are forms of the verb to be they're just forms of it have has had do does did And this is important to know because shall, will, should, would, shall, will, should, would, 
may, might. And you never find the word might in the Greek text. It's never there. Must, can, could. That's all the being verbs. And they're all forms of the verb to be, which means to exist. And Jehovah is the word J-E-H-O-V-A-H R-Y-E-H W-A-H Yahweh. Well, I have people want to fight over the name of God. God's name is not Yahweh or Jehovah. Jehovah, there are no J's in the Hebrew language. When you translate a Y, a Yod, the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet, into English, it's, it's pronounced J. There are no vowels in the Hebrew language. There are vowel points. So an H is an H. A V and a W are the same spelled as written out the same way just depends on the vowel points and the H's of the H so Jehovah is Yahweh it's the same thing and when you look up Jehovah it means self existent that's what it means that means to be to exist God says I exist of myself I don't need a name when Jesus said in John 8, Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it. They said, you're not even 50 years old. You've seen Abraham. He said, he looked at the Jews and said, before Abraham was, I am. And they would, we'll kill you for that. They would have killed him for calling himself Jehovah God. When he said, I am. Every time he'd say, I am the door. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Every time he was saying, I am Jehovah. Isn't that what he told Moses? Go tell Pharaoh, let my son go for Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And Moses said, but what if the people haven't been worshiping you for 400 years? What should we say? What if they say, what is his name? And God said, you tell them, I am hath sent me. I'm the only God that exists. So am is a form of the verb to be. Is that important? Absolutely. Now, so when he says, I am carnal, I am fleshly, sold under sin, for that which I do, now the word do is the word katergazomai. Boy, an interesting word. K-A-T-E-R-G-A-Z-O-M-A-I. K-A-T-E-R-G-A-Z-O-J-Z-O-M-A-I. It comes from kata, kata, and ergon. Kata means down. It means to work. Down or work intensely. He said, what I do is work intensely. That which I do, I allow not. 
allow is not your my word allow it's the word gnosko g-i-n-o-s-k-o I do not know that in my life that's not even supposed to be in my life he said that I and he said for what what I would what I want to do that word would is the word prasso p-r-a-s-s-o we get our word practice from that. It means to practice. What I practice in my life, what I practice, what I do, practice, presso. By the way, that word presso is present tense. Preachers that will read this and say, Paul is talking about it was in the past. No, he was not. He was talking about the thing he's wrestling with today. He said, it's present tense, active voice. It means, I do it today and I'm fighting it. Is anybody fighting the flesh? We all fight it, don't we? And then he says, he said, what I would that do, I not. I don't do what I practice. He said, but what I hate, that's what I Poeo, boy, it's key. What if you put all these Greek words in here? Poeo, present tense, active voice. P-O-I-E-O. He said, that's what I'm doing. Then he says, for if then I do, if I do, poeo, that which I would not, the word would is the word thalo, T-H-E-L-O. I like that word. That reminds me of John 3 when the Bible says the wind bloweth where it listeth. The word listeth is the word thalo. It means will. The wind blows where it will, so is everyone that's born of the Spirit. It's, the Spirit blows where it wants to on the people it wants to on God's elect family. And then he says, Then I do that which I would not. I don't want to be doing what I'm doing. Paul is talking about two men in himself. I consent unto the law I consent. Oikusa, O-I-K-O-U-S-A, O-I-K. Let me erase some of this. Let me erase these. I ought to write those down and let everybody come. Because it's very important to know the being verbs, especially when the word Jehovah means self-existent. He doesn't have anybody that makes him exist. He does it of his own power and his own will. But you talk about a God, we have one that can't be defined and explained. All right, now where was I? I consent unto the law that it is good. The word consent is the word oikusa, O-I-K-O-U-S-A. O-I-K-O-U-S-A. Oikusa is the word, comes from the word O-I-K-O-S, which is the word house. 
or family. What does he mean? I consent unto the law. Wakusa means house or family. He said, the law is housed inside of me. And when I do the things that are wrong, I know I'm doing wrong. Why? It's housed in us. God has written on fleshy tables of our hearts. But when we're doing wrong, we know it, don't we? Every one of us. And then he says, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now it is no more I that do it, katergadzomai. That word katergadzomai, it is God that worketh in you to willing to do of his good pleasure. Philippians 2.13. Worketh is the word katergadzomai. It's God that works in us because he's got the law written in our heart. Then he says, but it's sin that dwells in me, O Kusa, for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth. O-I-K-E-I. O-I-K-E-I. That's also a form of oikos, house. Who's the house of God? Hebrews 3 and 6. Christ is a son of his own house. Whose house are we? We're the house of God. What does he mean, house? Where'd that start? In the Old Testament, you had the you had the temple. You had the uh, the inner court that had the Ark of the Covenant. It had the outer court that had the seven candlesticks, the brazen altar, the table of showbread. These were all beaten gold inside here. And then you had the brazen sea out here. It was a labor when they first left Egypt, but they multiplied at such a great rate they had to make it into a sea with 2,000 baths for the priest to wash at every morning after they offered sacrifice at the brazen altar. So they'd come and wash themselves here. I've got that picture of that here. Let me see if I can get it real quick here. Well. Let's see if I find my the altar. Oh, there it is right there. Well, I had it. I don't know what I did with it. I had it a while ago. I love that picture. This is one of my favorite pictures over here. Well, I'm sorry I can't find it. There it is right there. That was the brazen sea. You can read about the brazen sea in First Kings, the seventh chapter. This is the sea. It used to be a used to be a laver right here in the front. But the, everybody in here has to be a Levite. Levi was the third son of Jacob. That was the priesthood. No one could come into the temple proper except Levites. This is the sea. Here's the altar. They offered the sacrifices here. And the inner part of the sanctuary, since God came down out of the cloud and sat right here, this inner part was called the house of God. 
the New Testament, Christ was a son of his own house. Whose house are we? We are the house of God. And our hearts are sprinkled. And this Ark of the Covenant was sprinkled on the tenth day of the seventh month. The goat was killed here, not a lamb, but a goat was killed here on the altar. The priest brought it in and sprinkled it on the altar. And our hearts are sprinkled in Hebrews 10.22. And so everything that happened in the house of God happens in us. And the law is written on tables of stone and kept inside the Ark of the Covenant. Now the law is written upon our hearts. So when he says, I consent unto the law that it's good, consent is a form of the word house. It's because God's law is written inside of me, in my heart. Now, then he said, I don't remember who I was, for the good that I would, the good that I would, in verse 19, I do not, present tense, Paul is talking about while he's writing this book, he doesn't do right. Because there's a man in him that wants to serve the flesh. I do not, but the evil which I would not, that word would not, would, is the word thalo, T-H-E-L-O, comes from the same word thalema, T-H-E-L-E-M-A. That means determination. Determination. That's the same word in John 1.13. We were born again, not of blood, nor of the will, the thalema of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So it wasn't man's determination. So when you find these words, and they all are to one another then he says now if I do that I would not Paulus do is present tense it's the word poeo p-o-i-e-o to do to do if I do that that I don't want to be doing that I would not that word would is the word thalo, present tense, T-H-E-L-O. It's a form of thalema, John one thirteen. You have what you call morphemes in the Greek. They're words that are connected to another, just they change word endings so you can understand what they mean. Now, if I do, verse 20, if I do, poeo, that I would not, if I do sin, that I don't want to be doing. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth. Dwelleth is the word orkeo, O-I-K-E-O, O-I-K-E-O. It means it's housed inside of me. It's part of the house of God. Sin is housed in me. Because if I say I have no sin, I deceive myself. Boy, overcoming self is hard to do, isn't it? It's hard for all of us. You know what God does to get you to overcome it? Beats you. Beats you mercifully. He'll beat you with an inch of your life. He has me. 
I thought I was dying in my mid-40s of of bronchial pneumonia in the hospital. I thought, I can't breathe. I'll never breathe again. That's when I threw my hands in the air. I said, Lord, I surrender. I give up to you. I'd been preaching since I was a kid, about 21 years old. But I ended up out in the music world doing things I shouldn't be doing. Nobody's been whipped harder than I have. And nobody's been in more sin than I've been in. I've sang in clubs all over America. I know what's in clubs. Sin. That's it. Nobody can tell me about that. Then he says, I find then a law, in verse 21, that when I would, I would do good. Evil is present with me. He's talking about the two different men in him. You've got an inner man and an outer man. When you're born again, that's the new birth, the inner man, the outer man. He's going to tell you in verse 25, the outer man serves the flesh. He wants this car and that house and that woman, and that girl and that guy and that and that diamond ring and I want the job I want. I want everything I want. <laughs> Have I been that way? Oh, terribly that way. And then he says, "For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. That's the new birth." after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, my hands, my eyes, my nose, my ears, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am. Present tense. He said, I am dragging around with me. Who shall deliver me from the body of this living death? I am in this fleshly man. I'll tell you what, preachers need to preach this because I don't hear anybody talking about this. Death to self, daily cross, self-denial. It's talking about the outer man dying over the years. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He tells you right here what it is. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. That's the new birth in us. But with the flesh, I'm serving the law of sin. That's the two men in me that we talked about in 1 John 1 and 8 and 1 John 3 and 9. There's two men in me. And then it goes, I'll say this one more time. When you have chapter 8, chapter 8, verse 1, You have chapter 8. This is not in the chapter 8, verse 1. That's not in the text. 
this, these were scrolls that they would roll out and they'd roll out to where they wanted to read. So chapter 8 is not separated from chapter 7. It's not there. Because then he goes right straight into chapter 8. There is When he says there is therefore, therefore is a conjunction. It's a subordinate conjunction. It has to obey what's been said. It's talking about because of verse 25 and all these things we said about what I do, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. That's the inner man. Can you see that? Those that are in Christ. Who walk not after the flesh, that's the outer man, but after the spirit, that's the, that's the inner man. And then he says, For the law of the spirit of of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. That's the outer man. For what the law would not do in that it was in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemns sin in the flesh, the outer man. He's not going to save this outer man when He comes back. He's going to give us new bodies. We're going to fight this flesh the longest day we live. The best way you can get over this flesh, I can tell you how to do it. Get old. That's all you have to do. Live another 30, 40 years. I'll be 83 tomorrow. Boy, I'm so glad of that. I don't want to be 35 at all. That was too hard, wasn't it? Boy, it was hard being young. It's difficult. Got to go flirt with that girl and buy that car and get this job and spend that money and try to get this job and that job. And and you're going nuts by the time you're 35 or 40, aren't you? It's all a, it's all a hassle. I don't want to go to some bar and flirt with some girl. That's work. Besides, Mary will kill me if I do this. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like it at all. Now, then he goes into, then he goes into this next chapter. And this next chapter is going to wind up about predestination, verse 29. But it's not going to wind up alone. You've got to go through all these things. He says here in verse 6, referring back to the previous chapter. For to be carnally minded or fleshly minded, like that outer man, is death. But to be spiritually minded like the inner man, that's life and peace. Because the carnal, the the sarkikos mind, S-A-R-K-I-K-O-S-A-R-K-I-K-O-S, the sark's mind, the fleshly mind, the fleshly mind. The fleshly mind is enmity against God. The outer man is fighting God. Enmity, ekthra, E-C-H-T-H-R-A. Enmity, ekthra, hostile. 
Boy, do I ever know that. You're fighting a battle you can't win. Once you become a born again by the will of God, there ain't no way out. You can say, I want to go back to where I used to be. I'm sorry, but you can't. Once you're in, you're in for the duration. He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1 and 6. You're not out of this. And I don't, it don't, when you're young, you have a tendency to fight at it, don't you? I did. I fought at this will of God in my life. I, I don't want to be committed that way to God. It's too hard. It took me forever to learn what you're doing. You're straddling a fence. You got half on all this side and half on the other side. You're just straddling the fence. That's why when people call me and say, why don't you say something about the joy of Christians? You're talking about that man on the other side of the fence about how he can have fun and how he can enjoy life. I've said so many times, if your life is merry, Merry Christmas. Merry means to amuse. This is what you this is what you want. You want an amusing life. Merry means to amuse, amusing. Comes from the word muse. To think over, to think deeply, to think. The alpha primitive in front of that negates the word means no thinking. That's what amuse means. What they mean, I want to be on this side of the fence where I used to be and I can live my life the way I want to. I won't cuss and drink much. I just live a little so I can just enjoy this old life. You can't have that old life. The Bible says that this gospel was hid to those that are lost. The thing about the gospel, which is to prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. The way of God is, it's a, the Bible calls it a gospel of peace. I can tell you at my age, I have a more peaceful life than I've ever had in my life. I don't worry about whether I'm going to pay any bills. I don't worry about nothing. I believe everything has been arranged by God. I do the best I can to be responsible to study for you and to come up here and teach. That's all I do. My job is to do that. And I don't worry about how it's going to come out. I'm not greatly concerned about whether anybody believes or not. All of the elect will believe and the vessels of wrath will not. It's that simple. If I can get that over to the congregation here at Grace and Truth, you'll quit fighting people when you can't get them to believe predestination. Well, look, the Bible says, you don't argue with it's like arguing with a tree that is not a rock or arguing with a rock that is not a tree it's arguing with a goat that is not a sheep goats will never be sheep they've been goats from the foundation of the world and sheep have been sheep from the foundation of the world God had his people he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love God's already figured it all out why do we want to fight our mother and father because they won't believe in predestination or they don't understand Christmas is pagan that's like 
just trying to get a four-year-old to understand calculus, advanced calculus. You can't do that. You can't get people to become something they're not. They already are what they are. Do you know that's what made life easier for me? It made life get real calm when I came. I got to believing my own message somewhere about 60 years old. I fought people up to that point, and that's been 22 years ago. And I don't fight anybody anymore over nothing. I will not fight. People say, come over here and argue with this guy, Jim. I'm not going to argue with him. I'm going to tell him the truth. And if he says, I don't want to hear it, I'll say, excuse me, i got somewhere else to go. That's all you have to do. How many times have I said that here? A thousand? You don't have to convince anybody of anything. You can't convince your mother that don't believe. What makes you think you can if she's been fighting you for forever? Twice. Rebuke a man after the second admonition because he subverts his old house and he's a heretic. Heretic, hereticos, means to choose for oneself. He's into his own will when he chooses for himself. Now, let me read the rest of this because I've got some more of these things I want to give to you. Then he talks about the spirit and the flesh all through this chapter. He says, verse 9, you're not in the flesh, you're not the outer man. you got to go back to verse 25 of the previous chapter every time it talks about flesh and spirit in this 8th chapter. You're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. The outer man is not, you're in the spirit. The inner man, not the outer man. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, that's the inner man that he's talking about in the previous chapter. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. Now, I don't know why the Pentecostals have never read that. Pentecostals say, uh, getting filled with the Holy Ghost is the second worst work of grace. It is not. If the Holy Spirit doesn't come and abide in you, you don't belong to God. What is the Holy Spirit? Truth. John fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, John fifteen, twenty six, John sixteen, thirteen, first John five and six, the Spirit is the truth. You have to have the truth when you're born again. That Pentecostalism is a corruption. And if Christ be in you, the inner man. The body is dead because of sin, that's the outer man. But the spirit of life because of righteousness. The spirit is life. The spirit, that's the inner man. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, that's the inner man. None of this chapter sets alone. It hinges on the very previous chapter. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken quicken your mortal bodies he's not just going to quicken you when you he raises you at the last day he's going to quicken z-o-o p-o-i-e-o make alive the mortal body you live in by causing the inner man to take over the outer man over the years 
and that his spirit dwelleth in you. That's the inner man. Therefore, brethren, you are debtors not to the outer man to live after the flesh, the outer man. If we live after the flesh, the outer man, do y'all see what I'm saying when I keep saying the flesh is the outer man? And the Spirit's the inner man. He defines it for us in the previous chapter. Verse 25 tells you what it's all about. For if we live after the flesh, you will die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify, necro, N-A-K-R-O-O. We think of necromancy as talking to the dead. It comes from necro, mortify, kill off. If we kill off the deeds of the outer man, how long does it take you to get over self? How about 20, 30, 40 years? How about 50 years? You're going to fight that outer man the longest day you live. Does anybody have a problem with that outer man besides me? Thank you, Chris, for raising your hand. For as, then he says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, the outer man, they are the children, the sons of God. I've used that verse many times, talking about the sons of God marrying the daughters of men. Sons of God can only be led by the Spirit, by the inner man. Those fallen angels were not, they were not led by God's Spirit. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption. Who else will see you? U-I-O-U-I-O-T-H-E-S-I-A. There's a breathing sound there. Huios, it comes from U-I-O-S. Huios, H-U-I-O-S. Antithemae means to place you don't place yourself as a son. You don't place yourself as a son. God has to place you as a son. We've obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him. Who worketh all things after counsel of his own will, having predestinated us unto the adoption. Predestination is about adoption. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That's the inner man beareth witness with the truth that we're God's children. And then he goes on through here. And I'm going to try to jump through some of this. This is the reason you're killing off the outer man. You're not killing him off. God is killing off the outer man. And he's got an instrument to do it. It's called, it's called evil man. God's going. To, when you go out there and you try to live after the flesh, you're running with the world. You're living. You're living to the outer man. You're running with the world. You find yourself in places you're not supposed to be and associating with people you're not supposed to be associating with. I found that in real estate. I found that in the music world. Music world is a heathen business. It's just corrupt. The gospel singers are just wicked, wicked, evil people. 
I can tell you all about it. I was in it for years. I don't believe in gospel music. Gospel music doesn't mean hymns and songs. There's nothing like the church's one foundation in gospel music. That's a predestination song. So you've got this outer man and the inner man, and they're in a constant fight. How does God cause you to get over this outer man? He sends tribulation. He sends trials. He sends fire. Think think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Believers, don't think it's strained. Knizio, X-E-N-I-Z-O. That's the word strange. It comes from the word X-E-N-O-S, which is the word stranger, an occasional guest. Don't think that the fiery trial is an occasional guest in your life. It's not. It's a daily requirement. We must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. We have to go through trial and fire, or we're not going to heaven when we die. There's some verses I want to tell the preachers across America. Did you know that without a daily cross, you can't be a follower of Christ? You've got to have a cross. Jesus said so. He said, he that beareth not his cross and followeth after me cannot be my disciple. You can be a follower of Christ. Disciple is the word mathetes. Mathetes is the word disciple. And it means a learner. Now, how in the world are you going to obey God? Jesus is coming back in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those that know not God and that obey not the gospel. How are you going to obey the gospel if you don't even know what it is? How are you going to obey God? He tells the the Galatians, Galatians, the third chapter, I marvel that you are so soon removed from the cross of Christ to another gospel. You're moved away from the gospel. I've been saying this in every message for the last month or two months. The beginning of the gospel in Mark 1 and 1. Mark 1 verse 1. The beginning of the gospel is prepare ye the way. 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 Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. That's the beginning of the gospel. What is the way? God's way is the narrow way. There's two ways. You're in one or the other. The narrow way. Oh, you're in the broad way. And the Bible says, strive to enter in at the straight gate. Straight is the word stenos. Stenos, and the verb form of stenos, that's the noun. The verb form of stenos is stenazo. Stenazo in this very chapter is the word groan. 
everywhere you find the word grown. Grown and straight are basically the same thing. Grown and straight are like faith and belief. Faith is the noun. It's the word P-I-S-T-I-S. This confused me when I was young. I'd say, why is it the Bible says, by grace you are saved through faith? And then Paul tells the Philippian jailer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. They're the same word. One's the verb, the other's the noun. I couldn't figure that out until I studied the Greek. Faith is the word pistis. P-I-S-T is the stem of the word. Everything after that's built on the stem. That's the basic meaning. Believe. That's the verb form of faith. That's the verb. Here's the noun. Believe is the word P-I-S-T. There's the stem. E-U-O. The word ending is changed depending on some character of the word. So that's the same way as stenazo and straight. Stenazo is the word groan. So when you see men groaning, that's because they're going through the straight gate in the narrow way. Narrow is that word. Thalibo, T-H-L-I-B-O. That is the verb form of the noun of the noun thalipsis, T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S. Every time you find the word tribulation in the New Testament, it is the word thalipsis. That is the narrow way. When Paul was stoned and left or dead outside of Lystra, when he was stoned left for, left for dead, he got up on his feet after he'd been... I keep saying, when they stoned people, they didn't throw rocks at them. The Jews would take a man on a high precipice, a cliff of some kind, throw him down, hope that he broke his neck or broke his back, and if he did, maybe 20, 30 feet high. And if he didn't, they would throw boulders at him. I mean, 20, 25, 30 pound boulders on him. That was stoning. He wasn't throwing these rocks at somebody. So he looked like he had been beat half to death. And he had been. So that's what he said. Now, I'm taking time on this chapter because we get down here to verse 29, for whom he did foreknow. First of all, before we get there, let's look at verse 20. For the creature was made subject to vanity. Talking about Adam. Adam was made subject to vanity because he was made out of corrupt dust. And after he was made out of corrupt dust, then God said, Thou shalt not eat of that tree, and the day you do, you'll die. You're made of corruption. He had to eat. What do you mean he had to eat? Wasn't Jesus the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world? And were our names written in the book of life from the foundation of the world? Yes. So Adam was made corrupt, made subject to matiotes, M-A-T-I-O-M-A-T-A-I-O-T-E-S. That's the word vanity. And it means transientness, 
inutility useful for nothing. Not willing. Adam was made subject to vanity, but not by his will. Not willingly. It was against his will. But by reason of God, it says him, reason of God who had subjected Adam in hope. And then he says, because the creature, a creature, vessels of wrath fitted to destruction are not creatures. We're called new creatures or new creations. Creature, patesis, okay? T-S-I-S. That's only the believer. We've been made new creations. The vessels of wrath are in chaos. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption unto the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation, all of the believers, are groaning. Word grown is sustenazo. S-U. S-T-E-N-A-Z-O. The whole creation, this word su, is a form of soon, sug, soy. All these are forms of the same word. It means to blend together. It means in fellowship. It means to synthesize. All the believers are groaning together. So whenever you're having a hard time, just go to another believer and say, I'm having a hard time talking to my mother. And they'll say, me too. I'm having a hard time talking to my brothers and sisters. I've had people call me and say, how can I get my brother to believe the truth? I don't know. I couldn't get even one of mine to believe the truth. You can't get anybody to believe the truth unless you know how to become the Holy Spirit. You know? Do you know how to do that? I had one guy come here, he said, well, he said, that's pretty hard to turn yourself in the Holy Spirit. Why don't you try to turn yourself into a mailbox? Maybe the time you turn yourself into a mailbox, you can turn yourself in the Holy Spirit. Well, you can't do that either, can you? And then he talks about groaning, which has to do with stenazo, the straight and the narrow way. It says in verse 23, not only they groan, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even ourselves grown. Stenazo. You're in the straight gate in the narrow way. We groan within ourselves. What do you mean groaning? Uh, no, that's not what we're talking about. Talking when we get together and going, man, I've tried to talk to this person and I work with them up at the post office, and I, I just, I, I keep trying to talk to them, and they get halfway listening, and I think they're listening, that I don't know whether to talk to them anymore. <coughs> with ourselves awaiting for the adoption to it, that is to say, the redemption of our physical bodies. We're going to get a new house from heaven one day in Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter. We are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. What does hope mean? 
Elpizo, E-L-P-I-Z-O. It means to depend on promises that have been made by God. In the world you shall have tribulation. That's one of his promises. How do you like that? And then he says, But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for and depend on it? For if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Talking about our spiritual infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Remember, prayer is the word prosuchomai, P-R-O-S-E-U-C-H-O-M-A-I. Prosuchomai comes from pros, meaning toward. That's our word pro. And U-K-E-U-C-A-G means to desire or will. We don't know what we have need of. Lord, you know what we have need of before we ask. And by the way, ask is a conditional word. I tell oh, I'm not going to go into that right now. Take me a while. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings. Stenogmos. It's a form of stenazo. S-T-E-N-S-T-E-N-A-G-M-O-S. It's just a form of going through the Spirit, stenos. It makes intercession, E-N-T-U-G-C-H-A-N-O. That's the New Testament word, intuncano. Intuncano. And the Old Testament word is Paul God. They have the mean, they have the same meaning. Intuncano means to impinge progress. If you go down the street and you see a car about to jump the curb and hit this little kid, you and your car you jump and you hit the hit the car and knock it off the knock it off its path. That's God does the interceding. And then he says And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He makes intercession according to his will, not ours. We'll say, Lord, why don't you stop this problem I'm having in life? I've got a health problem and my mother's sick and she got the cancer. Well, he's appointed, he's appointed death to every man and every woman. And you cannot pray and stop death from happening to your mother or your brother or your sister. It's appointed unto man once to die. Apokime. It means to set off a path for it. God has already said it. If we can come to the conclusion that everything that's happening is the will of God, what well, he says in the next verse. And we know that all this groaning that we're going through, this straight gate works together for good to them that love God. Love is the word of God. He sheds abroad his love in our hearts in Romans, the fifth chapter. He writes it on our hearts. So those that love God are the ones that have it in their heart because God put it there. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, who are the called according to his purpose. 
They're the called. Who are the called? The ecclesia, E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A. That's the word church. It's constructed of ek and kaleo. Kaleo is the word called. And the church is called out of this world to live for Christ. That's the inner man. You're called out of this world to live right and not to live the way you want according to that outer man. Then he says, for. For is a subordinate conjunction. That means everything that's about to be said is concerning everything that has been said. That's called subordinate. I've used that word before. I've used that word subordinate. I've used that on the word obey. Obey is the word hoop. A-K-O-U-O. And the word here is the word A-K-O-U-O. A-K-O-U-O. And hoopo means under. It means to hear under or to be subordinate. Obey and hear are basically the same word in the Greek. They're the exact same word in the Hebrew. Same word, shama. Shama is the word obey, hearken. Obey and hearken and hear. The hearing ear and the seeing eye. So, subordinate. We have to be subordinate. And that's what the church is. It hears God. Now, let me give you the rest of this verse. For is subordinate to everything that's ever been said. And if you'll notice all the previous verses, and is a coordinating junction in verse 28. And in verse 27 is a coordinating conjunction. It's going to coordinate all these things together. Likewise, is a coordinating conjunction in verse 26. But is a conjunction in verse 25. For is another conjunction. This is all one long rambling sentence like the teachers would say today. It's one long sentence. And then he says, For... Whom he did foreknow. The reason all this is happening is because it's happening to people who have the inner and the outer man. And God is getting rid of the outer man. And what he's doing is causing groaning in our life as we go through the straight gate and the narrow way. The straight gate and the narrow way are directly related to predestination. Do you see that? Directly. If your life is tough, it's supposed to be. He works all things out to the counsel of his own will. Then he says, For whom he did foreknow, we also did predestinate to be conformed. Sumorphos. To be shaped in fellowship together as we go through this groaning together in this life. If you're groaning, you're supposed to. 
See, most believers think, I'm going through things and other believers are not. Oh, yes, they are. If they're true believers, they are. And if they hadn't gone through much yet, they're going to. We all have to go through that. I I didn't think I'd ever reach 80. I never thought I'd get there. I like being 80 better than I like being 30. I don't like being 30. Don't leave that ever again. I was so nuts and so confused about who I was and where I was going. And After you get older, you realize God's got it all worked out. And all you have to do is submit to it, and life gets easier. Don't fight life. Now, this all has, even before he gets to this, if you back up to chapter 6, he's talking about the inner and the outer man. He may have given you a definition of it in Romans 7.25. When you back up to chapter 6 and back up to chapter 5, he's going to talk about this inner and this outer man. How much time to have, Mike? 24. I'm going to try to cover a little territory here. When he says, what shall we say then? In verse 1, what does he mean what we say? Have you ever walked to somebody and said, what shall we say then? About what? About the previous chapter. Right? Well, let's read the end of chapter 5. Because you can't get any... Oh, there comes Zach. There's another Zach. <laughs> it's good to see Zach's here today. Then he says in chapter 5, he's talking about the inner of the man all through Paul's writings. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one, which is Jesus, shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. I'm in verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, the outer man has reigned. Even so might grace reign through the righteousness, eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he says, what shall we say then? Because sin reigns. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Shall we continue as the outer man so grace can abound in our lives? No. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin, the outer man, live any longer therein? Know you not that as so many as of you as baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. That's not talking about water. It can't be talking about water. First of all, when they buried somebody, they didn't bury him six feet under. They always buried a man in Israel in a tomb. Only the poor, the people that couldn't come up with a tomb, were put in the ground, but very few people were. So if baptized means to bury then you'll have to bury him the way they did. You couldn't dip a man downward. You had to dip him sideways. You had to baptize means to cover with a stain or die. It means a martyrdom, a death. 
I'm not going to go into baptism right now and talk about it two hours. It means to cover with a stain or die, and a blood baptism was a death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That's a blood baptism. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so must we shall walk in newness of life. That's the inner man. If we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness also we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. That's the new inner man. Knowing this, that our old man, the outer man, is crucified with him that the body of sin, the outer man, might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Well, that's a hard place to come to, isn't it? That you don't serve yourself. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him as the inner man. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But that in he liveth, he liveth unto God, and that's the inner man. Christ is not alive except through us, through our inner man. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign over your mortal body. Don't let that outer man rule you that ye should obey it in the lust thereof to serve this outer man. Neither yield ye your your members instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, like the outer man, but yield yourselves unto God the inner man, as these that are alive from the dead, and your members as the instruments of the righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. The outer man's not going to have dominion over you. Eventually, over a lifetime, God will put your body through so much fire and trial, you'll throw your hands in the air one day, and you won't be smart aleck about it. You'll say, God, I surrender, I give up. And you'll start living for him. Now let me read a little more of this. For sin shall not have dominion over you, but you are not under the law, but under grace. That's the inner man that's under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are under the law? We're not under the law, but under grace. God forbid. Shall the outer man live in sin? Know ye not to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey? His servants you are to whom you obey. I've quoted that a thousand times. If you obey that outer man, you're a servant of that outer man. And you always are. As a, When you're a baby believer, it takes a long time to grow up. Your service to him you obey, obey, whether of sin or the outer man unto death, or of obedience to unrighteousness, the inner man unto righteousness. Now, I'm going to stop here and I'm going to go over to Colossians.
Paul is telling you about this inner and this outer man all through his books. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And he says here in Colossians, there's two men that's going on in your body. I believe that people need to understand these two men. You're not going to get away from the outer man. The only way the outer man dies is you got to go. God knows every level he puts you through a bankruptcy, a divorce, uh, losing your car, losing your house, uh, getting cancer, getting whatever. I've had all of it. I've had two heart attacks. I've had one triple bypass open heart surgery in 2001. I had a stroke last year. I've had prostate cancer. I've had I've had bronchial pneumonia in the hospital. That was the thing I thought was going to kill me. And that's when I put my hands in the air. I said, Lord, I give up. I surrender. I was about 46 years old. I said, Lord, I... I I'm going to give up to you, and I'm going to quit trying to get rich in real estate. I'm going to quit trying to be somebody. I'm going to quit trying to be famous. I'm going to quit. I don't care about being somebody. Most of the somebodies in the world are going to die and go to hell. Had you figured that out? Majority of the world is going to hell. Why does the gate and brought us away that leads to destruction? And many there be that go in there because few will go in the narrow way. It don't matter how much the world has got. You can't compare yourself. We're not like those that Paul said in the 10th chapter of 2 Corinthians that can compare ourselves with others. you got to stop comparing yourself with other people. It's a dead-end street. If you don't have a lot, you're not supposed to have a lot. God has given some men gifts to make money. But he doesn't give you those gifts if you're a believer to decorate yourself with it. I was a self-starter all my life. But God didn't give me these abilities so I can fit fit up myself with it. That's not what it's for. I've told you all many times when I was young and I was a starter, I couldn't make myself go. God didn't do that so I could help me. He gave me that as I got older to find out that I can look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. Christians don't hardly believe that today. We're buying this car, this this wheelchair accessible van for this lady down in Prairieville. I've had some people say, why are you doing that? Because that's my obligation, my duty to help people. If you don't have that attitude in life, evidently God hadn't brought you yet where he's going to bring you to if you're a believer. Now, when you go into Colossians, the third chapter, the, the third chapter, he's going to tell you all through here about the inner and the outer man. Paul addresses this inner and the outer man in Colossians 3, I'll leave the inner and outer man up there. He talks in detail about this inner and the outer man in Colossians 3. First of all, he talked about it in Romans 7. 
Colossians 3 and in in Ephesians 4 and in 2 Corinthians the 4th chapter. And he's going to tell you all about this inner and this outer man. What you are required to get rid of in your life and what you're required to put on. Every time you find the word put on, it will it uses the word enduo, E-N-D-U-O. Enduo means to sink into clothing. And when he says in Galatians 3.27, this cannot possibly be water. And as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ you suck into clothing it's this word in duo it has to be blood baptism because our clothing is a blood baptism in the 7th chapter of Revelation John is talking to an angel of the Lord and he sees all these people around the throne of God in robes of white and they are people from every nation, tongue and tribe And the angel asked John, do you know what these are? And he said, no, you know, you tell me. He said, these are those who made their robes white in the blood of Christ. That's what we're wearing. That's what we're sinking into. In the first chapter, verses 5 and 6, he says, he's washed us from our sins in his own blood. That's our clothing. A blood baptism was a death to the outer man. It takes God a long time to make you give that up. I didn't want to give up the music business. I had this, people that's heard me sing when I was young, I had a great tenor voice. I mean, I knocked the walls out of any building. And and I'd only wanted to do that when I was young because I could do it. You know why you want to do something with the talent you have? Because you can. But I can't do that anymore, and I don't have any more interest in singing than I have of jumping off this building and trying to fly. I don't want to do that at all. God will give you a talent so he can take it away from you. Did you know that? He'll give you something that you can do. Say, okay, now I've got your attention now. Bang, 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 bang. And he'll cut us down with evil men. David said, Deliver me from the wicked which is thy sword and thy hand. Evil men, God raises them up to cut us to the ground. I can tell you about a thousand stories in my life about that. I won't tell you any today. Now he says here, I don't have time to go through this chapter. I'll have to go through this next time I come. And how much time, Mike? Ten minutes. I'm not going to get very far with it. If you then be risen with Christ, he's talking about the inner man. Verse. verse one. Three verse one. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Anno. Anno is the word above. Remember the word born again? Born again, this is the word above. 
you must be born again, Jesus told Nicodemus. Again, it's the word anno. Then. It means from above or from heaven. Seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of earth. Oops, there we are. That word again. Gay. G-E. Soil. Dirt. Remember Philippians, the third chapter. Men hate the cross of Christ because their God is their belly. The belly was an Epicurean term in the first century. Epicureans was one of the most popular, along with the Stoics, probably the two most popular philosophies in the world at that time. And the Epicureans said... The seat of all sensual desires, whether it was for a car, for a woman, or a guy, or a dog, or whatever you've been wanting to get, or a diamond ring, or whatever, it was in the belly, but it didn't mean the stomach. It meant the place that would gratify all your sensual feelings. They said that was the belly. And these, the Bible says, Paul said there's certain ones at Philippi their God is their belly because their mind, their phroneo, P-H-R-O-N-E-O, their, their sentiment is on dirt, earthly things, gay. Well, that's what he's saying here. Don't, everything you see in the flesh is made out of dirt. You're dirt. I'm dirt. Your ring is dirt. Your car is dirt. Every bit of it come out of the ground, didn't it? A diamond is nothing but coal under pressure for about a million years. That's all it is. So you can get a big old piece of coal and wear it on your finger. And it has just as much meaning. In fact, everything is made out of atoms. Everything. I've got a picture of the atoms of, if I can find it real quick. This is what everything's made of. All right, here, right here. These are atoms. This is sodium and chlorine. And sodium and chlorine bonded together make sodium chloride table salt. And this is this is the valence is the outer the outer orbit and this is the valence of chlorine. Chlorine is is very dangerous when it's by itself. You drink that you'll die. Sodium is a foundation, is a it's a base and every atom is looking for another atom in the universe to bond with. There's seven in this 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 uh, outer outer uh, valence. There's one in this. So one and seven is eight. Every atom is looking for another one, another atom with that it can bond with. So there'd be a total of seven. A total of eight in the valence. When this bonds with this, it becomes table salt. This is deadly. And that is very erratic. 
and I got a lot more to say on that. But everything is made out of atoms. Everything. You, your car, your diamond ring, your socks, your shoes, your pants. Everything we see came out of the dirt, out of the ground. Everything. And that's why he says, not the things, let's put the word in there that belongs there. Sell your affections on things above, not on things of dirt. Because that's what the word means. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye appear with him in glory. Then he says, mortify these things of the flesh, the outer man. And I'll come back and go through them. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. This outer man, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. That's part of what you got to get rid of. That's not everything in, in a nutshell. And then he'll say down here in verse 8, Now ye also put off all these anger. I could go into all the definitions. Or gay. O R G A O R G E. Feminine gender. Reason it's feminine is Babylon was the mother of harlots. Harlot means idolatry, and this is a form of idolatry. It's the rage and anger of a man that he has when he doesn't like it because somebody's beat him out of something. It's about money or stuff or dirt. Somebody's stolen your dirt and made a deal with something about your lawnmower which is made out of dirt and he wouldn't return it and when he brought it back it was broke so you're only mad about that dirt wrath fumu t-h-u-m-o-u that's rage you got to get rid of the wrath the anger and the rage that's in you if you're going through that most people are going through it somewhere in their life. Are you getting over your rage and your anger and your jealousy and your envy and your strife? I can tell you as an old man, it's easier to live without rage and anger. If somebody says, you're this or you're that, so you're probably right. Just to be agreeable with them. Agree with a man in his accusations because it's not going to hurt you. If you if you've been that way, say, "Well, I deserve that. I may not be living like that now, but I deserve it the way I have lived." It's really difficult to come to this place. I was going to read you something out of Mister E. W. Bullinger's book on the two natures of man. I didn't get my message from him. But I found out he is saying the same thing in this booklet, The Two Natures of Man, talking about the inner and the outer man. It's just, I have never read it, and I've had it in my library for years. I picked it up the other night, and I said, this is what I've been teaching on, the inner and the outer man. He He talks about the preachers are not telling truth. 
he talks about. But what is he talking about? He died in 1913, a year before my father was born. He's talking about how modern the preachers were back in 1903, 1898. Because he's, he's living the fullness of his life back then, writing the books that he wrote. I just, I like some of the statements he made. If any good thing is found in man, it must be first put in by God. It must be born of the Spirit. When these good things is thus born and found in a man, then it is seen to partake of the nature of the begetter. It is Spirit. I love that. And he says, I like this. He says in John 3, 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. It comes by birth as generated by a fallen begetter. Concerning this flesh, we are told it cannot please God. In Romans 8 and 8, it profiteth nothing in John 6, 63. There is in it no good thing in Romans eight Romans 7, 18. And I like this. Now this, this is vital and a fundamental truth. The question is, do we believe it? Do we believe God or man? If we believe God, we shall see that the great bulk of what goes by the name of public worship is vanity. He said that before he died in 1913. He said most of what's going on in the churches is vanity. Preachers don't want to make people feel bad. Am I out of time? Mike? Did I out? I'll read some more out of this. I don't I can't I can't exhaust this subject. All of Paul's writings are about the inner and the outer man. The inner man is going to take over the outer man. You say, I don't understand that I'm young. That's because you're young. If God'll beat you up for about forty or fifty years, you'll understand it. He has beat the tar out of me. That's an old Texas saying, tar. I don't know who came up with that. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth. God, we I don't know how to get this message over. I don't know how. It's just so much to it. I hope you will convict the hearts of those that are here about their outer man that wants to defend themselves all the time when we all deserve your sword and your beating and your scourge to beat this self out of us. Thank you for truth. Fight our battles. I can't fight anybody anybody ever again. Lord, you know that. I've come to that place. You are my, my fighter. I pray that you'll strengthen the church and cause them to get a hold of these things. We'll praise you for everything. Give you glory for everything. Because everything is your will. Thank you for truth. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, Lord, what you doing, guy? Hanging in there. Hanging in there. That's all you can do, man.
Huh? You getting along okay?